And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today, folks. Hope you're having a wonderful day. This is the day the Lord has made. We are glad and we rejoice in it. Don't let anything make you anxious. Don't let anything disturb your peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace. I give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's the peace that we never let go of, no matter what. Now, even as we speak, the vote is being taken in the House of Representatives for the next Speaker of the House. I have a couple of observations about this, but I just want to put it in context for you. We have gone all the way from expecting a red wave, which had that happened, the likelihood is, I would think, that Kevin McCarthy would not be in any danger. He could probably have all of the votes that he needed if he was responsible for helping people to get elected. They're likely going to come and give him their loyalty and give him a shot as Speaker of the House. As it stands, he's got at least five people who have committed to not voting for him under any circumstances. You know who those people are. Uh, Representative Bob Good, uh, Representative Andy Biggs, Matt Getz, Matt Rosendale, and Ralph Norman. Those are the infamous five who have been absolutely excoriated. Folks, I have been amazed at the level of attacks on these folks uh, saying they're stupid and they're, they're being destructive and it's selfish and it's egotistical and it's it's, it's about personal vengeance against McCarthy for something or other. Here again, I, I, I know Andy Biggs, don't know him well. I don't know the others at all. Never met Matt Gates, never met Matt Rosendale, never met Ralph Norman. As far as I know, I know Bob Good well. And nobody is going to convince me that Bob Good is on an ego trip or that he's out for personal vengeance against Kevin McCarthy. I'm just not buying that. That's not the person I know. I believe Bob Good is somebody who loves this country. And I'm going to attribute this to all of them. I just don't saying I just can't personally attest to my personal knowledge of them. But I believe he's someone who loves God, loves this country, loves the Constitution of the United States, and wants to see us remain a Judeo-Christian constitutional republic because that's the basis upon which we became the greatest nation on earth and provided more liberty, more prosperity, more opportunity to fulfill your God-given potential than any nation that's ever existed. He wants to preserve that. So do I. Now, we'll see how all of this works out. And the predictions of calamity, uh, I, I think are highly overrated. Uh, But uh, there's no question already there's some pain involved because apparently they had a caucus this morning and it was, it was, it did not go well. It was pretty ugly. But you know, here's what I, one of the things I don't understand. This is, this is kind of an observation. How is it that you say that these people are divisive and, and vengeful and egotistical and it's all personal. And then you turn around and you think that solving the problem is you're going to attack them personally and question their motives and question their character and question their honor and all of that. And so that's, that's the answer. That's how you deal with this. Now, it seems to me you've got to deal with this in a rational way and assume that they have rational reasons for taking a stand that is obviously very controversial and obviously has a lot of people upset. I have to tell you, folks, when I see some of the establishment people all worked up like about this, it it does make me think, you know what, they must be on to something here. 
because establishment people um, in the Republican Party are all too willing to unite with uh, the the Democrat club, or maybe I should call it the Democrat cult, when it suits them. But it's very often when they're dealing with conservatives, they're not interested in unity. They're interested in getting rid of you. Now, my understanding is that uh, Kevin McCarthy did not support Bob Good when he ran uh, against uh, Denver Riggleman. And by the way, I did endorsed him, supported him, contributed to his campaign because I thought that Denver Riggleman was certainly not conservative and was certainly not a Republican, not from my perspective. I mean, first of all, the man, from what I understand, was all caught up with the liquor industry and because that's what he does. Okay, I'm going to try to hold that against him. I'm going to judge him on the basis of what he does in Congress. Bob Goods is a, has been in Congress for one term, and he's already creating a stir. He's already providing leadership. He's already taking a stand. He's not going along to get along. Uh, Denver Riggleman, one of the first things he did when he was in, in that very seat was to marry two homosexuals and then to scold Republicans who dared contradict him. Oh, you people are full of hatred. In other words, he just we went right to the Democrat playbook. You're bigots. You're homophobes. No, we believe in the sanctity of the human family, and we believe that this whole thing of same-sex so-called marriage is an abomination to God, and it's something that we cannot support. And you're using the office that we have bestowed upon you. You're using that to, to rub it in our faces that you are going to participate in this whole homosexual debacle. And well, he got he got kicked out. Bob Good came along, challenged him and, and won, beat him for the primary and then went on to win. Uh, and at this point, he's serving his second term. So the people of the 5th District of Virginia must like something of what they're seeing. They certainly didn't like what they saw with Denver Riggleman. They must like something of what they're seeing from Bob Good. So we'll see how this all plays out. But, but the, 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 the level of attacks on them is, is exactly, by, by, I'm talking about by other Republicans, is exactly what they're accusing them of doing. How in the world can you solve the problem that way? How do, how do you bring people together by saying, oh, you know what? They're engaged in personal attacks against uh, Kevin McCarthy. We're going to engage in personal attacks against them. That'll solve it. I mean, to, I mean that, that's just, that, that doesn't even make rational sense. Here's the other thing that struck me for the first time today. Kevin McCarthy's from California. Chuck Schumer's from New York. Nancy Pelosi from California. Why is it that so much of the leadership of Congress, so much of the power of Congress, ends up in the hands of people who come from the most leftist states in the country? Why is that? Now, I'm not saying Kevin McCarthy is a leftist by any stretch of the imagination, but I just find it interesting, don't you? that we know that California and New York really do want to ruin, ruin is right. They want to rule the country, but they want to ruin it too. They want to make it like them. You know, California just passed five new laws before this, uh, in, in the last session of their legislature, five new laws. One of them is that if you are living in a state as a, as a youth, as a minor, where your parents or the, the laws won't allow you to be to be mutilated and won't allow you to have hormones injected into your body, come to California and we'll do it and we'll fight your parents if they try to stop you. Yeah, that's California. We need a little more of middle America. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Are we becoming a nation of thieves? That is a question Victor Davis Hanson asks near the end of a long essay on what is happening to America. 
In previous commentaries, I've talked about the smash and grab robberies that have been taking place in major cities and sometimes even in the suburbs. But the problem isn't just happening in those isolated localities. To understand the stories he recounts, you need to know that Victor Davis Hansen lives on a family farm in a rural area that is south of Fresno, California. It is far away from the big cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles. At the Home Depot, he wondered why there were such long lines to check out since most of the other checkout stations were closed. A clerk explained that it was due to the high theft rate. He also learned that almost any large item in a box purchased by Home Depot had to first be opened to ensure that key parts like knobs, wires, and screws had not been ripped off. A local Walmart stopped its 24-hour service. A clerk explained that keeping the store open was unsustainable because of the looting that took place during the early morning hours. If you go to Walgreens and Rite Aid, you will notice that everything from razors to antihistamines are under lock and key. He explains that none of this was true just a decade ago. This is a rural area, unlike the cities where looting and robberies have forced mass closures of pharmacies and convenience stores. When district attorneys and other prosecutors announce that theft under $950 will no longer be prosecuted, people take note. It sends a signal to criminals that property crimes don't warrant arrest, much less conviction, much less incarceration. They're still law-abiding Americans, but sadly, we are beginning to look more and more like a nation of thieves. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Racism, go to viewpoints.info slash racism. That's viewpoints.info slash racism. On American Family Radio, hi, I'm Barry McGuire. I'm a layman here to remind you that face sharing is a barometer for your spiritual health. When I ask people what their ministry is, most people name some worthwhile organization they support or tasks they perform with the church or a volunteer project of some sort that's meaningful to them. And thank God that they're supporting ministries and performing tasks in their church. But here's the bigger question. What's God's purpose for your life when you're not supporting that ministry or performing that task, which represents about 95% of your productive life? When I ask that question, I usually get a blank stare. If that's you right now, you're missing out on 95% of your Christian experience. The fun stuff that makes every day an adventure. Miracles start happening and the blessings start flowing when you seize every opportunity God gives you to lead people closer to Him. This will revolutionize your life. Your job is to ignite revival outside the walls of your church by moving everyone every day closer to Jesus. If you need help sharing your faith, go to igniteamerica.com. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. So, that's my first observation about this whole process, that you can't solve a problem that you claim is based on personal attacks on someone by then personally attacking the people who you claim are doing the personal attacks. Because all you do is you escalate what you claim to be the problem in the first place. And yet that's, that seems to be what is happening as opposed to reasoning and rationality. Uh, my second observation is this. The Democrats did put forward Hakeem Jeffries for speaker. Of course, he won't be speaker. But they put him up because they know the Republicans are right now uh, divided and, uh, and can't resolve the issue or haven't resolved the issue as yet. The votes clearly aren't there. That's why we're going through this process right now. Hakeem Jeffries is probably one of the most radical of the many radical Democrats. Now, he keeps his mouth shut a lot so that you won't know exactly what he's thinking about things. But he is a radical leftist. I mean, this is the guy. Do you all remember? This is the guy who compared who compared Donald Trump to the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Exactly. Exactly. The guy who, who, who gave money to Jesse Jackson, gave money to Al Sharpton, supported many Democrat candidates. Now, all of a sudden, he runs for president, becomes president. He's the, he's the equivalent of the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And when questioned about it, he doubled down on it. Said that the, the comparison was appropriate. I mean, this guy has had known associations with Louis Farrakhan. Um, His brother, 
and I don't, I'm not smearing him with his brother, but I think they're obviously on the same page. I think that's the point. They're, they're not politically at odds with one another. I mean, his brother is a black nationalist. And in case you're not clear about what a black nationalist is, I mean, Louis Farrakhan is a black nationalist. They believe in separatism. They believe that black people ought to have their own separate piece of land and have kind of have their own separate country and all this nonsense. I guess my observation is it is just amazing to watch the absolute radicalism. This is their choice for leader. The absolute radicalism of the Democrat Party. I mean, they have gone so far off the deep end. I mean, they've just leapt off the cliff and there is no pulling them back in my view. I think the only answer for the Democrat Party is to, it's going to have to implode. It's going to have to implode. Just just be absolutely unable to sustain the continued march into anarchy and and moral and cultural and spiritual uh, wickedness. And they would call it relativism or maybe some would call it relativism. I think it's going past that into just abject wickedness supporting the things that they support. If you look here again, if you want to know what they have in mind for America, look at California and New York. That's all you have to do. Don't put anybody in jail for committing crimes unless perhaps they they committed against one of their elites. Then, then maybe, maybe operate on children inject them with hormones when nobody can possibly know what the long-term effects are going to be because it hasn't been that long that they thought that this was a great thing. We know what the long-term effects are of removing the genitalia of a boy or removing the breasts of a girl. The long-term effects are, are psychological and emotional and spiritual horror because you see sooner or later, I believe people come back to who they really are and when, they, when, a, when a guy realizes he's really a guy and he has mutilated his own body in this quest for something that was never real in the first place, who in the world does he turn to to get his life back? Or who in the world does a woman turn to to get her life back? And yet, this is, this, these are the broad, sweeping kinds of policies of the Democrat Party. They support the critical race theory movement. They want to teach people to hate America. They want to delegitimize the country. They want to teach people the lies, as I'm pointing them out, that we stole the land from Native Americans. I mean, that's just such sophistry. It's just such nonsense. We built America on slavery. Again, nonsense. I pointed out in some of my speeches, slavery held America back. Slavery didn't thrust America forward in any way. America was built by the freedom, the innovation, the inventiveness, the hard work, the pioneering spirit of individuals of all backgrounds. That's what built the country. Slavery stagnated. Slavery held back because it skewed the market system. And it, 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 it discouraged development of labor skills because labor began to be associated with slavery. Built the country on slavery. I mean, what, what a bunch of hooey, just such nonsense. But that's what the Democrat Party believes. Which is why in California, they're proposing reparations. The price is going up two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars per person who is a descendant of slaves. And New York would love to do the same thing, I'm sure. And all of these other states controlled by Democrats would love to do it. But, but let's face it, folks. Let's just be clear. They're not interested in helping America or helping Americans. They're interested in buying power. That's the name of the game. You buy up enough people that you create political hegemony. Because you own everybody whose votes you need. That's the name of this game. 
Because you and I know it makes no logical sense to give a person a quarter of a million dollars because somebody several generations ago might have been a slave of somebody else several generations ago. That doesn't make a bit of sense. But it's not about making sense. It's not about logic. It's about it's it's about political power. You know, my father thought that Roosevelt was the greatest president that he'd ever seen because he was a young man when Roosevelt was president. But still, it was during the Depression and Roosevelt created the CCC camps. I've been reading this book on Hoover and you know a lot of Roosevelt's ideas, the better ones. Hoover was the one who started them. But Roosevelt took took things to an entirely different level. Roosevelt basically ignored the Constitution. He couldn't care less. He All he cared about was doing what he thought needed to be done. And that's, I mean, look, you could say, well, that's not, that's not a bad motive. No. If that's the only motive, no, it's not a bad motive. But we do have a Constitution. And we're not governed by human motives. We're governed by the rule of law. And you don't get to just do whatever you want to do because you think it's a good idea. Because the moment you do that, well, guess what? I got a better idea. If I just force everybody to go along with me, man, it'll really be utopia then. Well, the Constitution doesn't allow, oh, well, but, you know, we can't let the Constitution get in the way of real progress, right? And before you know it, you land in the lap of absolute tyranny. And that's Roosevelt started that process. And he didn't get us out of the Depression, by the way. World War II really got us out of the Depression. He didn't get us out of it. But nevertheless, he's credited with that. But I'll tell you what people don't realize. He began, he began the, the, the slide toward absolute and unlimited governmental power to do whatever politicians want. He started that process. Remember, that's why he wanted to pack the Supreme Court, because he felt like the Supreme Court was in his way. And if it's in my way as president of the United States, I'm simply going to move it. And while I know the Constitution doesn't give the number of the Supreme Court, there are separate and co-equal branches of government. And for the executive to decide he is going to take control of a branch that is supremely unconstitutional. And you want to put another branch of government as the executive. You want to put another branch of government at your command. That's unconstitutional, folks. That's not the way it's supposed to work in our system. Because the tripartite system, the separate uh, and co-equal branches, was intended to make sure that no one could exercise complete or, for that matter, extreme power. Each branch was supposed to check the other, not become the sycophant of the other. Roosevelt tried to change that equation completely, at least with regard to the Supreme Court and really for for all practical purposes with the legislature as well. That's what they're really up to. That's what they really want. It is absolute power. And here again, I I can't read their minds and tell you that they're consciously thinking that, yes, we want absolute power. I have no doubt some are. But I'll tell you what they are consciously thinking, that if only we could do exactly what we want to do without any restrictions, oh, what a wonderful country it would be. That's what they're thinking. And we've got to get those people and institutions and rules out of the way that are getting in the way of creating this wonderful country that we will now create. Now, according to Stanford, you might not want to call it America. I don't know what you call it, but because it's going to be something new. New and improved. Fundamentally transformed. Well, not on our watch. Back in a moment to take your calls. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. 
Jesus said, and we find it in Matthew, the seventh chapter, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, one thing a person learns early about life is that it wasn't meant to be easy. From the moment the baby leaves the protection of the mother's security, it begins to cry. And from that moment on, life never lets up on its demands on those who try to take it seriously. Now, basically, there are two attitudes one can take toward life. One is the take care of myself, don't care too much about the other person, don't get too involved attitude. And this is by far the most traveled road of life for the simple reason that it places no demands upon us that we don't want. We can do as we please or not do as we please. We're content just to live our lives out, patting ourselves on the back, telling ourselves we're doing all that we should be doing. But there's another attitude toward life. That attitude says life is a sacred trust given to us by the Eternal Father and that it should be used for the benefit of Him and our fellow man. This way of living is very demanding. Very few are those who are willing to strive toward this life. It places demands upon us that we don't want, causes us to strive toward what the masses call the impossible. This is often a very lonely way of living since those who have common goals are few in number. Many times we're tempted to give it up, to call it quits, to say with a carefree lot that it's an impossibility to live toward that high calling. We're tempted to lower our goals, tone down our plea, and think more about ourselves. But then we ultimately come back to this. Life isn't supposed to be easy. It is supposed to be a challenge. And the very moment we cease working toward that high calling, we begin to deteriorate into nothing but a self-satisfied, selfish human that joins the don't-care crowd. When we get to the place where we're ready to throw in the towel and call it quits, what we really need is to know that what we're doing has some eternal, lasting significance to it. For as long as a person can believe that what he is doing has God's stamp of approval on it, he can face any obstacle that stands before him. But once he quits believing in his high calling, he's doomed to a life of selfishness. Sometimes the night gets dark, awful dark, and you begin to question whether or not you should forget that high calling. For your job becomes hard and you see very little chance of it getting any easier in the future. In times like that, the only thing that will sustain one is the knowledge that what he is doing has God's approval and that his efforts will not be in vain and that his God will gladly pour out his grace on those who need it. Life is easy only when we are selfish. It is hard when we choose the high road. And while it gets to be awful dark sometimes on the high road, we need to remember that daylight always follows darkness. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, the voting continues, and of course, they have not reached a conclusion. And the likelihood is this will go to a second ballot because at least five representatives have said they will not, <clears throat> under any circumstances, vote for Kevin McCarthy. He needs those five votes. So it'll be interesting to see, again, how all of this unfolds. Right now, the voting is going on. The number is 888-589-8840. Uh, just a, a, a couple of other things on Hakeem Jeffries, the chosen leader of the Democrat Party. Uh, they gave this man a sustained standing ovation and they they nominated him as if he were the second coming and talked about his going to church and all of this. I'm, well, whatever. He might have gone to church, but it didn't take uh, because this man is pro-abortion. He's pro-homosexuality. He claimed, in fact, he named some church that he still attends, I guess, when he's in the district or something. And frankly, whoever the pastor is of that church he attends, when he walks in, he needs to say, come up here, son, we need to cast those demons out and get you straight with God. Because right now you are you are in the 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 bowels of of depravity. And yet this is what they choose. 
I mean, probably no more radical than Nancy Pelosi. So it doesn't really seem to matter a lot where they come from. Uh, They've all bought into this cult-like mindset of Marxism and socialism and, and, and frankly, communism and, 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 and racial obsession and sexual and gender obsession uh, and anti-American sentiment. They've all bought into that. And that's just where they are. And you, you probably not a dime's worth of difference between most of them. But he seems to be their, their chosen hero. And I just shake my head at that. If that's what the Democrat Party chooses as their leadership, I mean, it's not nothing new, but it just confirms all the worst that you can think of. It really does. And it does not portend well for the future of that party. And if they're in control of our country, it does not portend well for the future of our country, which is why, at least thank God, however this all gets sorted out, thank God they won't be in control of at least one chamber. And maybe in 2024, control can be wrested for for the other chamber as well and then get a solid conservative president in office And then they've got to fight like Democrats fight to fundamentally transform the country back to what it ought to be. As opposed to this nonsense that we've got, this effort to just completely disengage us from our roots and our values and fly off into some never, never land of of weirdness. And, and, And again, folks, just just. No laws, no morals, no everything goes. Go steal. Just don't steal over a thousand dollars and we'll just, you know, just just take what you want and go home. It just Oh, you 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 rob somebody, oh no problem. Just, you know, go go back under your own personal recognizance. Try not to kill anybody in the next several days so we don't have to actually put you in, in a cell. Now, I mean I'm being somewhat facetious, but that's not far from reality. And to have that kind of leadership running the country, which is what we've had without any check for the last two years. Thank God, at least there's there's some small check now and hope that in the next two years we can we can complete the process. 888-589-8840 is the number. That's 888-589-8840. Oh, let me mention one other thing, folks, and I'm going to come right to you, Joshua. Let me mention one other thing. My book is available at FaithfulText.com. It's not yet released. It's not yet in bookstores, but you can pre-order it now at FaithfulText.com. Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. Uh, You can get it at FaithfulText.com, and there's a 15% discount on that. If you want to get it directly from me, signed and numbered as a Patriot partner for a gift of $25 per month, or more, I will happily send you a signed copy, personally signed by me and numbered, uh, at least until we run out of those copies. So you go for, to standamerica.us if you want to get one of those copies. That will come directly from me, folks. That is my author's stash <laughs> that is available to help my organization in raising the funds that we need to continue carrying out our mission. 888-589-8840 is the number. Let's go to you, Joshua, in Arkansas. Joshua, welcome. Well, hello there, Bishop, and simplify to you. Simplify, Joshua. Hey, um, you asked about uh, what the new American would be called. I, I would call it Pharisaica because they act like a bunch of Pharisees uh, and, and imposing stuff on people while not following their own rules. You know what I mean? But um, my question is, if you, as a civilian, especially as a president, knowingly know that people are violating law by crossing the border, because it is illegal, um, and you do nothing about it, you're actually aiding in that crime, can you not be prosecuted for that? Or is there some some law that they can actually go after Joe Biden or, or any of them that willingly know that people are breaking the law at the border? Hey, Joshua, Semperfy again. Thank you for the call. Happy New Year to you. And look, the president takes an oath under the Constitution to see to it that the laws are faithfully executed. 
That's his responsibility. Okay, the president really is, in a sense, the chief law enforcement officer of the nation because he is responsible for making sure that the laws are, in fact, followed and that he does that, of course, through others. When a president does not do that, can he be prosecuted? Well, most scholars would say that the president can't be prosecuted while in office. He could be prosecuted afterwards for something for a violation of law that he does in office, but he can certainly be impeached. But see, impeachment is a political process, isn't it? And even if he were prosecutable, who's going to prosecute him? The president, attorney general. So see, as a practical political matter, this is the problem, Joshua, when we are committed to personalities rather than principles, when we're committed to party rather than principle and truth. And right now, Nobody's going to do anything to I I don't even have any expectation that Hunter Biden is going to be prosecuted and he's probably violated so many laws we can't count them. So I certainly don't expect this president to be impeached. Um, now, of course, the Republicans could do it, but I don't think they'll have the chutzpah to do it, knowing that the Senate was is never going to convict him anyway. So it would be an exercise in futility. 888-589-8840. Let's go to James in Florida. James, welcome. Welcome, Bishop. I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your program for one thing. And while Thank I was you, listening, I created a second comment. Uh, the second comment, uh, well, for, the first comment is this year or today's recipient of income and wealth redistribution will more than likely be next year's first in-line bankruptcy father. The second one was that many organizations today are called church. Mm. Yeah, you and, and, and I agree with you on both counts, James. Thank you for the call. I, I could not agree with you more. You cannot raise a group up by pouring out of the public treasury. It does not work that way. People must earn their way out of poverty into higher levels of income. And they learn their way because they learn how to manage their money. They learn how to stay out of debt. They learn how not to be profligate and, and, and squander uh, the income, the precious income that they have earned and boy, you couldn't have said a truer thing, James. You you think you're going to pay people a bunch of money and somehow that's going to transform their lives. You got another thought coming. They'll be broke before you know it. And you're right about church. Unfortunately, we, we are living in the age of the apostate church. In fact, if George Barner's data is correct, and he's been confirming this for years, only 25% of the churches in America remain true to the word of God. Only 25%. 75% are apostate and heretical. That explains a lot, doesn't it? But you know what? I'm convinced of this, that because the Lord has left to us a very small remnant, we will not be a Sodom and we will not become like Gomorrah. Back in a moment. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need you, YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. But today, I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. Use the Submit Trash button at OneMillionMoms.com. That's OneMillionMoms.com. And thanks. My name is Rick Scarborough. This is Come Home, America. 
Our nation is under assault by a cabal of liberalism in the media, education, and government. They're destroying the very foundations of Western civilization while many in the church sleep and most pastors refuse to speak out. They deny God's existence and from that vacuum, they make up their own rules regarding the right and wrong, normalizing the abnormal and immoral and even advocating for gender reassignment surgery for adolescents. We're living in an upside down world as the foundations are being destroyed. What shall the righteous do? Well, the answer to that is we can repent and start voting for righteous candidates. And if there are no righteous candidates, be a righteous candidate. I am Rick Scarborough, and it's time for the church to come home. Go to our website, recoveramerica.com. We've all had close friends who've moved away, and you still love them, you still try to stay in touch, but you don't have that intimacy. You don't have that same level of closeness. You're not sharing life together. You're not sharing life in quite the same way. Shanti Feldhahn on Focus on the Family Minute. Well, you know what? It works the same way in a marriage. And when you start having issues in a marriage, the biggest temptation, honestly, is to not spend as much time together because you're trying to avoid the conflict. And the happy couples, when they went through seasons of difficulty, that's when they spent more time together. Mm. And they said, no wonder we're not feeling close because I'm always taking the kids to soccer and he's always doing this. And, And so they said, you know what? Instead of staying home, the wife said, instead of staying home and vacuuming the house while he takes Johnny to soccer, I'll jump in the car with him because that's 20 minutes that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Find ways to be close in your relationship, to spend time with your spouse. Hear more from Shanti at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. I spoke a little earlier about California and New York just to underscore the point. It has been discovered that the California Twin Rivers Unified School District has budgeted $10,000 to be paid to LGBTQ uh, organizations for events to be performed in the school system. They want the homosexuals in the school system. Just now, now look, it's been discovered that this one district has done this. Now, you know what that means. That means they're doing it all over California because they're deeply invested in this homosexual perversion. They're deeply invested in it in California. It's sad because I don't, I know that not everybody in California is, but unfortunately, those who govern California are. They are those who govern California and are responsible for pushing this stuff. Let me make not let me not mince words are moral and sexual degenerates. Let's just be clear about that. They are moral and sexual degenerates. In fact, they openly admitted. They said these efforts, these programs that they're planning they said, are, quote, and I'm quoting this one organization, Glesson, are, quote, the first step for getting in front of kids and a stepping stone for inclusive curriculum at the district or state level. They, they're, they're, te- they're being very explicit. Yeah, we, we want to get this in front of children. And then, then one other thing in keeping with that, mindset that this is what the Democrat Party and what the left is bringing to us. Now, this is happening in England. But here again, you know, when you see what's going on in Europe, you know, it's only because they're planning to do that here and they're trying it in Europe. But America is the target. Get it done. Get it done in America. And you pretty much got the whole ball of wax. But this I guess it's uh, it's a um, it's a a. a, a a style called Croc footwear. They're partnering with RuPaul drag race in the UK. Get this folks, get this. They've taken it a step further. They're not taking children to drag queen story hours. They are having children perform as drag queens so that the kids themselves put on a drag queen show. Here again, they're they're moral and spiritual and sexual degenerates. 888-589-8840 is the number. Let's go to Carolyn in Texas. Carolyn, welcome. 
Carolyn, are you there? Hi. Hi, Carolyn. Yes. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much, um, Bishop. I just wanted to make a point. Um, I all the Everybody's points are, are spot on, but we have to do something about it. One idea is that if pe- people who can afford to put up billboards in their community stating the truth, raising, because they have to penetrate the veil that's protecting everybody from seeing what's really going on, especially our American youth. And if we say, you know, American youth, why are your free speech rights being taken away? Why are you only allowed to see and think one way? Start raising questions of truth to these young people because we have to get them back and we have to educate them where they're not being educated. You know, our freedoms are from Jesus Christ and the men and, and men and women that, you know, bravely fought to protect that. All these things that they're not going to ever hear, we can get get it out. If And they're driving through and seeing that constantly in their environment and community. Mm-hmm. It's going to make them think. The other Amen. thing is the children, where, where the LBT, where all the gay things going on with the kids, they, they hung themselves when, basically when they... That young man went on the air and said, we are coming after your children. If we will jump on that and get the papers at and we go to Congress saying this why we can't allow it, it's a threat. And it's not. Got it, Carolyn. Got it, Carolyn. Thank you so much. Yeah, look, Carolyn, there's a, you're right. Everything you said is correct. They are pouring literally hundreds of millions of dollars into promoting this. And we are often operating on crumbs. We meaning we conservatives, we Christians are often operating on crumbs. That's got to change because otherwise we'll lose the country because they will, they will just outspend us uh, and leave everybody completely debilitated. And I know the power of God is there to help us, but I mean, my goodness, we've got a lot of wealth in the conservative and Christian community. And it's time for us to be willing to do what our founding fathers did, our, put our lives, our fortunes and our sacred honor on the line. But thank you so much, Carol. I, I agree with you. We, we got to combat this stuff. Uh, let's go to Bill in Iowa. Bill, welcome. Yes, I wanted to make a comment about Kevin McCarthy. Uh, here, uh, I talked to... Uh, uh, this morning, I uh, on uh, uh, well, anyway, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, he and uh, Mitch McConnell, they uh, this uh, Michelle Bachman, she uh, was on Olive Tree Views, and she she uh, uh, pointed out uh, some things about this money that's going to Ukraine, and uh, she said that. Uh, this money that goes over there and that's all these congressmen and other people, they really want to spend all that money and send it over there. She says it's also coming. A lot of it is coming back to the United States and that it's, it's somehow laundered through this cryptocurrency and, and this mm-hmm. guy that uh, went bankrupt anyway, or, uh, okay. she pointed out that Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, among others, but they were right on the there. They received some of that money. Uh, wow. Back okay. All right, their- Bill. Bill. Okay. Listen, I- I've got so many people waiting to talk, and uh, we're getting kind of into the weeds there. I-, I don't. I don't know anything about their receiving money uh, back from this transaction. That's a very specific accusation. So we'd have to we'd have to back that up with some facts. I, I think the-, the the important thing is. And here's what the, the, the hardcore conservatives are saying. Kevin McCarthy is not reliably conservative for whatever reason. Thanks for the call, Bill. Let's go to Lily in Kansas. Lily, welcome. Yes, uh, thank you very much. I heard uh, a number of the representatives, uh, House reps today on earlier shows, I think, saying they will hold Kevin McCarthy uh, accountable uh, should he become the leader because he's made some public declarations on things that he's going to do? Mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly that means. So what does it mean to hold the House leader accountable? Can you recall him? Can you? How, how long does it take to say we don't want him anymore? Um, if you can throw some light yeah. on that. Thank you. 
Thank you for the call, Lily. Well, one of the things they're pointing out is that he's agreed that five members of the House could um, – I forget what the procedural vote is called – but they could certainly, with five members, could call the question of whether he should continue as speaker. Uh, Nancy Pelosi didn't allow that. He has conceded that, which, of course, means that he's got to make sure that his caucus is happy with the job that he's doing. And I think that's probably what they're thinking of in terms of holding him accountable. The number is 888-589-8840. We've had a couple of lines open up, and we're going to try to get to everybody we can in the time that we've got left. Let's go to Dennis in Texas. Dennis, welcome. Hello, Bishop. Yes, they're going to hold his feet to the fire. Anyway, real quickly, Good. Bishop, uh, a quick question. I I don't know if you got the message or whatever. I contacted a lot of people, including yourself, but it may not have even got to you. I tried to organize a march before the elections to kind of peacefully, Martin Luther King style, uh, peacefully protest what was happening in this country, and couldn't get any traction. But my question is not to cry over spill mill, but what can we do moving forward? Yeah, Dennis, that is always the question, isn't it? That is always the question. We, we need people with a big platform uh, or leaders or a leader with a big platform uh, who are really going to put that platform and put that organizational structure to work. I mean, forgive me, folks, for doing my own little commercial, but my organization has decided that this year we're going to get into building chapters because we want people active on the ground in their communities, putting a stop to some of the stuff that I've mentioned is going to be going on all over the country. Uh, Look, folks, not to put too fine a point on this, but a lot of this really does hinge on who becomes the next president. And as I've said before, we need a president who understands that he is not merely a political leader. He's got to be a cultural leader. Because Breitbart said politics is downstream from culture and the Democrats are winning the culture. They're taking American culture away. You all heard that caller who called me and said, well, what is American culture? And I got to thinking about that. I mean, I can articulate it. But I said, you know, I'm going to write a piece about that because we do have a distinct culture and it's rooted in Judeo-Christian values and principles, faith in God, importance of family, freedom as a byword for the individual, not some kind of collective mindset, but for the individual. Uh, and, and what the Democrats are trying to do is undermine all of that, all of that. Family, through all this crazy sexual stuff, faith. Uh, no, keep that in the, in the church. Keep that in the sanctuary. Don't, don't bring it out here. Don't bring it into the public square. Um, Judeo-Christian values? Oh, my goodness. Thou shalt not steal? Oh, says who? Says who? As long as it's not over a thousand bucks, who cares? Or a property crime is not that serious. These principles that allowed our country to prosper like none other ever has are the very things that they're going after. And it's really going to take a lot of grassroots effort on our part. Um, my organization is doing its part. And there are some other organizations with a whole lot of money. I'm not sure sometimes what they're doing because, for example, with our young people, I hear about organizations with these big ministries to young people, but, but we don't see any real movement among the young people. So I think it's because nobody yet has a big enough platform, a big enough bully pulpit, to really move the needle the way we need to move it. So that's one of the reasons why I'm holding my, keeping my powder dry on this presidential thing, because we really do need somebody who understands that and is willing to fight that good fight. Well, that's going to do it for today, folks. Thank you all for your prayers, your support of our network, because we're fighting for you. Stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up, because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit, because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.